0: everyone. Welcome to the program. It is episode 283 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can follow our social pages on Facebook and x slash Twitter for the latest updates. Uh, Great to be back with you folks this week. I just actually realized that I forgot to post something on the socials, uh, for this week. So, um, this week kind of in a little bit of flux trying to figure out a, uh, what I'm going to do for uh, guest Friday this week, but we'll absolutely keep you guys posted, um, on that as that will be out on Friday, make a decision as to what that's going to be. So we are, um, oh yes, that's right. Before we get going, I uh, just want to say thanks to, uh, Derek Welch, for coming back on the program uh, last week for Guest Friday. If you have not checked that out, you can on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, a good uh, conversation uh, Derek and I got in right before the season started. Um, so kind of just early thoughts on the Celtics this season and kind of what the expectations are. So you can go uh, listen to that if you have not already. So we're going to start today's program with the, uh, the local football team and You know, it was, uh, I think there was some, you know, optimism and positivity coming into this game based on what the Patriots showed uh, last week in their win over the Bills. But unfortunately, the team kind of came back to earth yesterday. Um, And I think, again, kind of the same issues that the offense is, is running into, you know, the inconsistencies at the quarterback position, you know, I think the guys on offense, you know, not really able to make enough plays against the Dolphins defense. I mean, I think it's it, I think it's it, it's unfortunate because I think this is a solid group of offensive players that I think at full health and you know, playing at their best. It's a quality unit, but I think there just are too many things that can go sideways. Um and it almost seems like they're an offensive group that has to play perfectly, um, offensively to have a chance to win, you know, and that means no turnovers. And it's just like, I know that obviously you want it to be perfect. You want an offense to not turn the ball over, but it's just impossible to expect. Um, and I just think that they're an offense that cannot make mistakes. And it's just like, that's no real way to play football you know, that you cannot make any mistakes, and if you do, you lose. Um, And it's just like, they need to have, you know, more of, like, a better offense that can withstand mistakes, and it almost felt like, you know, a decent first half the Patriots played, you know, up until the interception by Jalen Ramsey, it was like, you know, okay, they get the ball back 14-7, they're going to go down and tie the game, you know, and then it felt like the game was over after the interception. And I think that's kind of the frustrating part with this offense that it doesn't feel like, you know, they can make a mistake like that and bounce right back. You know, maybe they did last week a couple of times against the bills, but I think it's just, I think, you know, unfortunately what you saw yesterday is just what this team is. You know, I think, uh, team that I think defensively can keep a team in games for for most of the time, but then an offense that I think really, I don't want to say limited, but it is kind of limited in what it can do. Um, and I think that's just kind of what the, what the story is this season to this point. And, you know, I gotta be honest, it doesn't help that in the first eight games of the season, the Patriots are playing some really good teams um, you know, I think the schedule this year was going to be harder. You know, I thought that, okay, yes, the schedule was going to be hard, but, you know, you'd see more strides from Mac Jones in the offense. And I think, in fairness, you have seen some things become better over the last few weeks. You know, you've seen little signs of life from certain guys in the offense. You know, Kendrick Bourne. Obviously, it was good yesterday before the injury. Kind of not sure about the injury, uh, you know, timetable there with the knee, you know, if he's going to have to miss any time. Um, but I think, you know, there were signs that you were starting to, you know, show some life in the offense. You know, getting these long touchdown drives to get your way back into games and I think wasn't something... We saw a couple weeks ago in the blowouts to, you know, Dallas and New Orleans, obviously, because they scored three points in both of those games, but, or three points combined in those two games. But I think, again, it's just an offense that's not built to withstand or cannot withstand mistakes, cannot, with, cannot withstand, you know, fumbles and interceptions and turnovers because it just is you know, they need all the offensive possessions that they can get. And, you know, when it's when they're cut short by turnovers or, you know, getting three points instead of seven, it's like those, you know, kind of end up being deciding factors in games. And I think, you know, I was impressed with what Mac Jones did last week. You know, yesterday, it just seemed like it seemed to be a little bit more of the same, you know, uh, a quarterback that I think is still, I think, capable in terms of being a starter in this league. But it's just the play is way too similar to last season. You know, not stepping up on some throws, you know, making poor decisions and poor throws, you know. And it's almost like with him, anytime he plays well, it's, you know, I don't want to say too good to be true, but it's almost like, that's kind of what it was. And it felt like he played well early, you know, getting that touchdown pass to Bourne after the interception. And you felt like, okay, here's this team coming. And then, you know, just makes the bad decision on the throw of Ramsey. And that kind of ended up being the game. You know, the Patriots did do a good job, I think, battling back with that 80-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, getting it back to a one-score game. But, you know, I think... In terms of the Dolphins offensively, you know, I think Tua obviously has made tremendous strides over the last couple of years and I think is very difficult to, you know, disrupt his timing. Uh, I thought f- for some parts of the game the Patriots did okay, but I think, you know, it just is it's glaring when the Patriots miss are missing, you know, a key player in the secondary, which they were with Gonzalez. And I thought that You know, if he's healthy in that game, maybe it's different, Uh, but it just is, you know, it's the state of what things are right now. You know, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, if this guy was healthy, you know, it is what it is. You know, you you have these injuries, you have these things that happen, and it's, you know, disappointing that it seems to be befalling this team this season that, you know, you have the bad play, but to make matters worse, guys are getting hurt and guys are you know dropping like flies or three guys that couldn't finish the game yesterday and you know it's just starting to kind of get that feel of like a lost season you know a season where you've lost a lot of really good playmakers you know solid players and you know it's all coming coming crashing down but i think that the silver lining here is you have just gone through probably the toughest part of your schedule Yes, it sucks that it's the first half of the season, the first eight games, but it's like you look at the schedule for the next couple of weeks, it's, there are a lot of winnable games in there. And, you know, this is kind of where the hard part is with this team and kind of where they're at where, you know, there's, there's, I think that there's something to be said for both like directions here that. You can have one direction where you look at the schedule and think, okay, here are a lot of games that we can win. We can get back in this. You know, it's, it's a tall task to see if you can get back into, you know, playoff positioning. But I think you look at the next four opponents, I don't think any of those four opponents are teams that you look at and say, oh my God, how are they going to beat this team? Even with the two and six record, even with the inconsistencies this is still a team that can beat, that can, like, this is not a team that is incapable of winning. You know, I think anyone that has watched this team play for the first eight weeks of the season knows that they are capable of winning games. You've had a couple games come down to the wire. You know, you just beat a Buffalo team that, you know, is still very talented. So I think, you know, the other part of this is, trade deadlines tomorrow or Wednesday, I think. Do you trade off some guys? Do you start, you know, looking ahead to 2024, giving some playing time to, you know, younger guys, seeing what they can do? I think not punting on the season because I don't like the idea of, like, tanking or anything like that um, because I just think it's, Yeah, we've had this conversation already, but it's not something that I think this team should be doing. But I think there could be something to be said for, okay, you know, let's see what we have in some of these younger guys, get them some time. Because I think out of necessity, some young receivers might need to play more with um, both Parker and Bourne leaving the game yesterday. So it's entirely possible that you see more, you know, Tyquan Thornton, you see more Keishon Booty, you see more of some of these guys that haven't played very much recently. So, So I think that there are kind of two directions, you know, I think with the trade deadline, a lot of people are expecting, oh my God, they're going to be, you know, trading every single guy that's good. This is not, you know, it's kind of different than other trade deadlines, in my opinion, you know, I just feel like, sure you can sell off certain pieces, but it's like, I guess I'm not sure how much value you really can get Um, at the deadline and I think some people are, you know, maybe blowing it out of proportion that, oh my God, you can get first and second round picks. And it's like, I don't think that that's the case, you know? And I think any major trade that you make, you know, getting rid of, you know, Duggar or Henry or someone like that, it's like that kind of might do something negative to your locker room. And I think this team already is going through a hard season. There's no reason to make it worse by, you know, trading a team leader. And granted, maybe some of these guys are going to be free agents, you know, and you might get want to get something for them now, but it's like I kind of don't know what their value would be. You know, I think Josh Uche's name has been brought up in terms of being a trade piece, which I think it obviously stinks because, Josh was excellent last year and I think has shown that he can be a very good pass rusher. But, you know, he's had some injuries in the Patriots. I think in recent weeks have seen players like Anthony Jennings and Keon White, you know, take bigger roles and make you think, okay, they could afford to lose someone like Josh Uche if they have these younger guys that can step up and kind of prove that they can be just as good. So, you know, I think really kind of not sure in terms of the offensive players at the trade deadline. I don't think that this is a team that's going to be necessarily adding to the team, but I think this is a, this is a moment where I think, sure, you can make a trade if you're getting good value, but I also think at the same time, making a trade to make a trade, you know, is kind of pointless. You know, I don't think that, I don't know. I just think that people are building up the trade deadline as it being something that it's not, which is like, okay, there's going to be a clear direction that you're going to, you know, buy or sell. And it's just like, I don't know. I think it's a little more complicated than that um, because I think this is a team that still wants to go out and compete and try to win every game that they play. That's the whole point of playing NFL football, but you know, I think, I don't know, it's something where, you know, I don't know if there's going to be much, I'm not sure that there's going to be much that happens, you know, if there's something, it's probably a player that goes for kind of a later round draft pick. I'm not anticipating that this is going to be okay, you trade every single player it's going to be a free agent and you get a first round pick like that's not how this works um and so i think you know it'll be interesting to see what they do i don't expect that they add to the team i expect that if they do anything it's you know trading a player that's going to be a free agent and maybe you get a pick or two but i don't think it's, it's going to be anything that drastic you know i think if this team had a better record maybe you would see them be more aggressive, but. I think it's kind of just the team is what it is at this point. And I think, you know, it's probably not a team that's thinking about the playoffs, but I think it's still a team that should be looking to be competitive every week and, you know, give opportunities to, to newer, younger guys. You know, I think that tanking and purposely losing to get a better draft pick, that's a like loser franchise mentality. I don't mean to get negative, but it's like, I just, this is, that's not the direction that me personally, I want to see the Patriots go in because I think that that admits defeat and that admits to be like, okay, we stink. There's no point for the rest of the season. And I just, I have a hard time with something like that. When you have some vets on this team that are playing their hearts out and you're going to tell them that we're not trying to win games. That's just dumb. So, you know, I don't know what else there really is to talk about this game yesterday. Um, I think my frustration was just kind of the similar inconsistencies on offense. Um, and I think this game did not help that the officiating was less than, less than stellar. Um, and I think really kind of was a reason, part of the reason why the Patriots lost Um, I think that there were a couple calls that went against them that really were critical. You know, I think the most critical one for me was the supposed forward progress that uh, was not blown dead until the ball was loose, which is just insane to me. I mean, if you saw that replay yesterday, you know, there's no whistle. The whistle blows as the ball is loose. And they're ruling forward progress. And it's just like, to me, that is just very arbitrary that in theory, you can rule forward progress and basically just stop the play, even if the whistle doesn't come, which is crazy to me. And I think, you know, I think that was a that was a second or third down play where I think the Dolphins recovered the fumble but it went like eight, seven, eight yards back. And, you know, I think would have given the Patriots the ability to possibly get the ball back. I mean, I know it was one or two plays later that they found Waddle for the touchdown that pretty much put the game out of reach. But, you know, do the Dolphins approach that play differently if they, you know, have seven, eight more yards to gain? So I just think that was just, that was terrible. You know, and I also think, you know, not that this play had a bearing on the final play, but, or the final score, but, you know, somehow Devontae Parker getting leveled helmet to helmet, you know, pretty textbook example of a defenseless receiver, but there's no penalty. And it just is like, it seems like week after week, it's not just the Patriots. it's, It's I've seen in other games where, The application of the rules seem to be different for plays that are similar. You know, what I mean by that is a play like Devontae Parker's play yesterday being called a penalty in a different situation, but then not being called a penalty in another situation, otherwise known as consistency. Um, And I think nothing... It's not that play. I think it's the I think it's the roughing the pass or the you know, landing on the quarterback where it seemingly is arbitrarily called. Sometimes is called, sometimes isn't, and it's just the lack of consistency is mind-boggling. And it's not just the Patriots, it's not just this season. It's kind of been a thing for the NFL for years, and you know, I just I think it's just unfortunate when it just, I don't know, it seemed like yesterday the Dolphins were able to play, or it just seemed like there were no rules yesterday, that the Patriots were getting called for penalties, that the Dolphins were not getting called for, and it just seemed very arbitrary to me. So I didn't think it was very fair, but at the end of the day, you know, you lose the game and you didn't play well enough to win. That's not, not trying to say, oh, the officials cost them the game, but there were some calls to definitely... Could have swayed the outcome, but I think Patriots obviously did not play well enough. Um, so it just, uh, it's going kind of from bad to worse um, with with this team, unfortunately, that, you know, it seemed like they had maybe turned the corner last week, but, you know, maybe it just was a game that they had to have um, against the division opponent, and then, you know, Again, you know, tough team to to play against, I think. But, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. Patriots will play host to the Commanders this weekend in Foxborough. Commanders are 3-5, pretty good offense. Uh, Sam Howell had four touchdowns yesterday. So Patriots will have their hands full defensively against a Washington offense that maybe doesn't have a lot of star power, but they have uh, an offense that can score a lot of points. So, uh, Patriots obviously two and six and I think looking at some games here that It's it, it'll be interesting because I think there are teams that they can beat. Um, but it just will be interesting to see how they approach some of these games. Um, so we just got some late breaking news uh, from Bleacher Report that uh, Kendrick Bourne is torn his ACL. Um, And that just, that sucks. It really sucks because it seemed like he, for periods of time this season, has been their best offensive player and um, is a guy that works hard, a guy that enjoys coming to the facility every day, and I think enjoys being around the guys. And it's just, this is really going to, this is really going to hurt. And it just is unfortunate that the hits kind of keep coming for this team, that I think already is a team that cannot afford major injuries. And, you know, now you've seen in the last couple of weeks, last month or so, major injuries to, you know, very good player, key players in the team. So, um, you know, Bourne is another guy that was coming up in trade rumors. Obviously he will not be traded now with the torn ACL. So, you know, I think with the deadline being tomorrow or Wednesday, again, I don't think it's, you know, major stuff that they're going to be doing. But I do think that, you know, unfortunately, we don't want an injury to be the reason why younger guys get an opportunity. But I think it could be an opportunity for, you know, Keishon Booty, for uh, Tyquan Thornton, for Jalen Rager, you know, some of the guys that, you know, should get opportunities. And I think with Parker going out yesterday, you have to assume he's probably not going to be available to play this weekend. So I think some more guys that I think are going to need to be, you know, given opportunities. And I think Bourne clearly with the injury here, he's been your best receiver. So there's going to need to be someone else that Mac Jones uh, feels comfortable with. Um, But it's just another really tough blow for this team that I think deserves better than what the record is. Um, I just think that they have a lot of guys that work really hard and play really, really hard. And I think losing some games this year that seemed like similar games that you lost last year. Um, And it just kind of seems like it's more the same with this team. But you know what? I think you still got nine games to play. And I'm going to keep saying this the rest of the season um, because you have to keep playing. You know, you're not people... (laughs) guys aren't just going to stop playing, you know, guys still compete. There's still something to be said for playing with pride and playing with integrity. And I think hopefully that's what you see the next nine games, you know, whatever happens that those guys leave it all out there. And then whatever, you know, off season comes and you have a lot of decisions to make. And I think really could, you know there really could be a huge overhaul with this team, um, this this off season. So again, Patriots hosting Washington next week, one o'clock start at Gillette. So next we're going to talk a little Bruins. Kind of a interesting last couple days, uh, for this team. It seems like really they had been. Um, just trying to figure out where we left off last week. Um, so yes, Bruins were at the end of their, uh, road trip, got a three, nothing win against Chicago. Um, and then, okay. I don't know why I'm like mixing up the days for some reason, but then yes, Thursday came back to the garden, uh, lost to Anaheim four, three in overtime ducks. Uh, rallying from a 3-1 deficit in the final two minutes, tie the game, get to overtime. Um, Just kind of an ugly game. You know, I think it's a game that you kind of bury the tape and you think, okay, this is not a team we're playing again this season. Um, You know, Western Conference opponent. It's kind of wild that the Bruins kicked off the season with six in a row. Yeah, I think it was six in a row against... Western Conference teams. So, you know, I think games like that are gonna happen. The NHL is crazy. You know, you can see wild things happen on a night to night basis. So, you know, I think obviously you don't wanna lose those games. Those games are, you know, unacceptable to lose. Um, But I think that they're gonna happen. Games like that are going to happen. You just hope that they don't happen a lot. You know, you hope that it's not, you know, a pattern or anything. But I think the Bruins did a good job of atoning for that uh, with a good late-game performance Saturday against Detroit. I mean, obviously, it didn't. it's not like they scored a lot of goals. They scored an empty net goal. But I think did a better job defensively, you know, paying attention to details uh, and closing out that win against a Detroit team that I thought had really come out of the gates you know, swinging over the first um, five, six games that they played. Um, So I thought it was a good win for the Bruins, you know. Pasternak's Pasternak, he's just ridiculous, and he's so much fun to watch on those, you know, penalty shots. Seems interesting. It seems like the NHL, the officials are becoming more liberal with, uh, you know, awarding penalty shots, you know. I think that might have something to do with trying to get the game more interesting, but whatever, you know, you'll take it. So, uh, Pasta with two goals in this game against Detroit. Bruins also getting goals from Pavel Zaka and Charlie McAvoy. So I think, again, with this team, it's just going to be much different. You know, you're not going to see, I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys putting up you know, 50 points or something. I just think that this is going to be a team that's going to be built defensively and in goal. You know, any goals you can get from outside sources are kind of going to be a bonus. You know, not saying that Pasternak's the only guy that's, you know, going to score points. You know, Marshans obviously going to put up points. I think Zaka will too. But I don't think you're going to see, like, a super deep offensive group like you did last year. You know, like you had Zaka putting up career high in points. You know, Pasternak, Marshan, Bergeron, Krejci, you know, Tyler Pertuzzi at the end of the season. You just had so many guys that could put in points or put in goals. And I think it's just going to be different this year. You know, I think it may not be as many guys being able to score, but I think the confidence that this group is going to be right where it needs to be because the goaltending is just ridiculous you know it's Olmark well, and swayman it's like they have not skipped a beat from last season um you know i think losing that game to anaheim there were a couple bad bounces in that game you know a couple goals that went in deflected off of sticks you know i think there were two goals that were deflected in off something and then there was a third a third goal where you know olmark made a bunch of saves in close Um, And Anaheim scored off a netmouth scramble. But, you know, other than that, you have two goalies that have just been outstanding. And I think there's every reason to believe that they will be a playoff team with these two guys in goal. And, you know, it's going to be different and probably going to be a struggle a lot of nights to score goals. But I think having the confidence of the elite goaltending and the elite defense that you have That I think, you know, leads you to believe that they're going to be a a quality team. Now, it will be interesting tonight. Bruins face the Panthers as their homestand kicks off. Or as their homestand uh, continues. And then Tuesday night against, or excuse me, Wednesday night against Toronto. Um, A couple of interesting opponents here that, You know, Florida, obviously a team that beat you in the playoffs last year. And then Toronto, a team that you're probably going to be battling for the division all season. So I think, you know, these two games will be interesting to see how they match up against division opponents and, you know, teams that you're going to be matching up against all season long. Um, And so I think it just will be interesting uh, because I think... The first couple weeks of the season, Bruins maybe haven't faced, you know, the best competition. And I think playing these two teams, teams that I think are likely going to be playoff teams, teams that you're going to be battling against, you know, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for some of these guys. Um, Unfortunately, the Bruins put uh, Milan Lucic on long-term injured reserve, took a shot um, off his leg on the road trip. Um, so he'll be out for a few weeks. Oscar Steen got recalled, played on Saturday. Actually, thought played pretty well. So it'd be interesting to see if he continues to get ice time over the next couple of games. Um, also worth noting that tonight, the ninth Bruins game of the season, uh, Bruins will then have to make a decision on Matt Patra after tonight's game. Um, it seems to the reason that he's going to stay here. I think based on some of the things that Bruins teammates have said, based on things that Jim Montgomery has said, you know, it seems like all signs are pointing to him, you know, staying here with the big club because they think, as I said, maybe last week or two weeks ago, that it seems like the only way that he's going to be able to adjust to the pro game is to continue to get games continue to get games under his belt, you know, adjust to the physicality and, you know, having to bring it every night. And I think there have been a lot of, you know, moments that haven't gone his way, but he's been able to be resilient and pick back up. You know, I think there have been a couple times that he's been, you know, knocked down or, you know, cross-checked or something like that, but he gets right back up and I think is not afraid of that contact. And, You know, going to the dirty areas, doing all those things that, you know, guys do in their fifth, sixth years of hockey. You know, not typically something that guys like him pick up immediately. So, you know, I hope that he stays. I think that all signs point to him staying. Um, And I also think that, you know, speaking of, I think, an offensive group that may not be able to score... At the rate of last year's team, keeping someone on the team that gives you some some juice, gives you a spark, you know, can give you the ability to put up points. Um, you know, you want to keep those guys on the team, even if they're nineteen, and you may be burning a year of their entry level contract. Who cares? You know, you need playmakers, and you need playmakers at center. You know, this is an organization that. I think over the last couple of years have had a lot of trouble in developing centers and, you know, getting them ready for NHL action. And it's like, Hey, you got some kid here that looks like he's ready to compete nightly and has been, you know, I think has five points on the season, maybe third most on the team, fourth most tied for fourth most on the team with Van Riems, and Coil, but it's like, I think you got to keep him here. You got to. You just have to. And I think, you know, you hope that he stays. Um, It would be pretty disappointing if they send him back to the minors. But, you know, I think I have faith in the Bruins that they're going to be able to make the right decision here and, you know, do what's best for the team. Um, Because I also just will say, I don't know if there's someone that has giving you enough of a case to be like, okay, we're comfortable sending Patra down so that this person can play center. You know, I don't really know if they have someone else that can do that. And so that's another reason why he should stay is it's like, he gives you some offensive pop, you know, and some and some juice. And it's like, I don't know, like, are they looking at Morgan Geeky to center the second line? If Patra gets sent down, you know, what are they looking at? So I think that, that's kind of all the more reason why you should stay because I don't know if the Bruins really have a good enough backup plan for that situation. So Bruins, again, in action tonight against the Panthers. Be a good matchup for this team, I think, to face off against the team that took them out of the playoffs last year, Uh, a team that's dealing with some injuries here. So... May not be exactly the same team, but, you know, the usual suspects are going to be playing for the Panthers tonight. So um, it'd be interesting to see how this game gets played, you know, if it's a emotional kind of physical game, or is this kind of more of a feeling out process, Um, but it'll be interesting as the Bruins now are kind of in the thick of playing Eastern Conference teams and teams that they're going to be you know, competing against all season, you know, I think the schedule is the schedule and, you know, you kind of play whatever it is, but I think once you start getting into Eastern conference teams, that's really when it gets going and the Bruins play only two Western conference teams, the month of November. So a lot of division games got their, uh, Maple Leafs and the Red Wings twice. Got Montreal twice, got the uh, Panthers, and then uh, Lightning. So it will be interesting to see how the Bruins perform over the next couple of weeks. Just trying to see if there's any other notes that I wanted to get to. Don't think so. So I think we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Celtics, who have opened their season with uh, two wins in their first two games against some Eastern Conference opponents. So uh, good to see wins in those first two games. Uh, I think something to kind of watch over the next couple of— or over the first couple weeks of the season is, you know, I think— guys getting used to playing with each other, you know, and I know that that might not be something that people want to talk about, but it's just, it's kind of just the facts of it, because you have Porzingis coming into this team, you have Holiday coming into this team. And I think, you know, the, 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 the four of Brown Tatum, Holiday and Porzingis are going to need, continue to get games under their belt to get used to playing with each other. Because I think, You know, anytime you have new big time additions, you know, they take time to kind of get assimilated into the team. Um, It was a really good win against the Heat on Friday. You know, that was a game that I felt like it was really good, you know, shot distribution that there wasn't anyone that got, you know, too many shots. You know, I think that it's kind of, with this group, it's finding a good balance between, you know, guys taking shots, but guys setting up other guys. And I think, you know, you have Brown and Tatum are most likely going to be the guys that get the most shots on a night-to-night basis. You know, I think Porzingis and Holiday will get looks. But I think... You know, they're looking for one guy, one or two guys to pop every game. And I think Friday night you got that with uh, White and Brown really popped off in the second half. You know, Jason was really good as well, 22 points, uh, eight rebounds and five assists. Um, But you had White with 28 points. It's just ridiculous the way he's able to knock down pressure three after pressure three. And Jalen Brown, who I think bounced back, after maybe a shaky first game to score 27 against the Heat, against a team that, you know, he probably was looking for some redemption against, you know, after that eight turnover game seven he had um, last season. So I thought it was good to see him kind of get back on track. I think that there were (laughs) some people that maybe got excited with the fact that he, or, well, I shouldn't say excited like that, but, some people have maybe got up in arms at the fact they didn't play well in the first game. But I think he's an all-NBA player, as we've seen. And I think you should expect that he's going to be able to bounce back. Uh, but I think, you know, have Porzingis and Holiday, both guys that were pretty efficient. You know, Holiday had almost a triple-double at 17 points. Ten rebounds, seven assists. Um, and Porzingis was 17 points and nine rebounds. So I think continuing to, you know, see what this group can do, you know, with Derek White probably starting most nights, you know, Horford coming off the bench was really effective in the 25 minutes that he played, didn't score. was 0 for 6 from the field, but had 10 rebounds, had two to assist, not a block shot. So I think, it's going to be interesting with this team in terms of, you know, what buttons does Joe Missoula push from the bench? You know, I think most nights you're going to see Hauser and Pritchard and Horford get minutes off the bench, but then it's like, beyond that, who does he put in? You know, it was O'Shea Brissett on Friday and it ended up being the right thing because I think he injected some energy into the team, led to them getting back in the game in the second quarter. So, I think it just will be interesting to see, does someone like Lamar Stevens get some minutes early in games? Does Cornette, you know, do they look at someone like Delano Banton to give them a spark? You know, I'm kind of curious to see game to game, you know, who's going to get those kind of unexpected minutes off the bench. I think with the trio of Hauser, Pritchard, and Horford, you know, slash Derek White, whoever starts on a given night or whoever sits on a given night. Those are going to be the guys that you see off the bench. But then outside of that, who do you see? Is it Cornette? Is it it, uh, Brissett? Is it Lamar Stevens? Someone like that. You know, I'm kind of curious to see how they approach um, this early part of the season with guys playing together and making sure that You know, the shot distribution is where it needs to be. I think Friday night was perfect. I think that's exactly what you want to try to aim for. Um, And so I was really impressed with the way that they were able to come up with clutch buckets in the second quarter, or in the second half, excuse me. You know, as the Heat were making it closer. And yeah, there were times where it felt like okay, here we go again, blowing a late lead, but I thought the Celtics really did an excellent job down the stretch of getting the key baskets, getting the key stops, um, and being able to close that game. So really impressed with that win at home. Obviously, they beat the Knicks in the first game as well. Took a lot of late-game execution there, Um, but I think speaking of Joe Mazzoula and the right buttons, I thought that his addition of, or his insertion of Peyton Pritchard late in that game against the Knicks was really a really, really good move. You know, getting Peyton's speed onto the court to catch that inbounds pass, but then also the confidence in him to make some clutch free throws, which ended up, you know, clinching the game. So I thought that that was another great decision by Joe. And I think think that he deserves a lot of credit for (laughs) what he did last season, despite some people criticizing him and, you know, maybe rightfully so, but I think he did a good job of kind of learning on the fly. And I think that you're starting to see, okay, here are some decisions that he made in the first two games that, you know, are kind of ballsy decisions. And I think decisions that helped the team win, you know, whether it was putting Pritchard in, in the last couple of seconds in the opener, putting in O'Shea set in the first half to give the team some energy, um, I just think you're going to see a more prepared Joe Missoula this season that he's going to be making a lot of these decisions that are going to help the team win. And I think it will kind of make people forget about some of the issues that he had last season, maybe not calling timeouts and things like that. But I think it's very positive the first two games. Uh, for the Celtics, it would be interesting to see tonight against Washington. I think a team that's capable of scoring a lot of points. You know, how do the Celtics look defensively? Um, and I think they've looked pretty good defensively in the first two games. You know, the Heat, I think, did a good job with their three-point shooting on Friday night. I think that was the reason why they stayed in the game. But I think, you know, how do they match up against a Washington team that, yes, is maybe not the best team in the league maybe isn't the most talented but a team that can score and so you hope the celtics can you know come with the right energy and the right focus tonight on the road as they play the wizards and then also trying to look at the rest of their schedule this week i do know they come home to play the pacers later this week yes so they have games in washington tonight home against Indiana Wednesday, and then in Brooklyn on Saturday night. So those are the games this week for the Celtics. They'll be on the road for a little bit. I think it's probably going to get me moving to another uh, another subject from the Celtics. Um, just trying to figure out if I had anything else on... The Celtics uh, was nice to see. If you were watching the local broadcast on Friday night on uh, NBC Boston, Paul Pierce spent the second quarter with uh, Mike Gorman and Scal, which was kind of cool to listen to. And, you know, obviously he and Mike have some great memories. And, you know, obviously this is Mike's last season uh, doing play-by-play for the Celtics. Um, So it was a nice moment to have Paul kind of in the, broadcaster spoof, uh, so to speak, so that was nice to to enjoy. So yes, Celtics tonight in Washington, 7 o'clock start um, in the nation's capital. So I think we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Revolution, who began their uh, playoffs this past weekend in uh, Game 1 of their first-round series. Revs dropping first game to Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Union. uh, Three goals in the first half for the Union as the Revolution kind of uh, obviously did not get off to a good start. In that first game, yielding a a penalty kick, obviously, yielding three goals against. um, Three goals against, and then losing. Carlos Heal to injury in the first half. <laughs> uh, which obviously was not fun. Kind of added insult to injury in that game. But, you know, only the first game. Rebs will have uh, Game 2 next Wednesday. Gustavo Boe scoring in the second half. Uh, Rebs did get some great chances in this game. But just were unable to find the back of the net. Uh, Null Buck hit the crossbar in the first couple of minutes and it kind of just went all downhill from there for the revs is Jacob Jackson getting called for a foul in the box, the goaltender. And, you know, I thought it was a little bit questionable, but, you know, the union get the call, get the goal, and they get two more in the first half and the revs kind of on their heels pretty much the entire game. And then, you know, to make it worse, Carlos Hill uh, had to leave the game in the first half and, Kind of not sure about his availability, but the good news is there's a lot of time off, you know, about a week and a half before game two. So the Revs will have plenty of time to kind of regroup and hopefully get healthier before that game two. Um, at Gillette, so the Revs have to win to force a game three or else their season is over. So, you know, it would be a pretty disappointing end to the season for this team that I thought really was playing great, you know, in the middle of July, I think right up until the League's Cup started. Um, then all the Bruce Arena stuff came out and, you know, look, I think as I said multiple times, it's really hard for a team like that to stay focused with something like that and having to go through all the change that they've gone through and, you know, I think having to deal with that, having to deal with some injuries to guys that were really helpful in the first half of the season and you know, it just. It's just unfortunate that things seem to be going really well for this team, and then, you know, it all kind of comes apart, and now they're facing elimination, you know, going into this game, too. So we'll see what they can do. You know, I think that I like the decision to play Jacob Jackson um, in the playoff game. Obviously, it didn't really work out. Revs had some issues defensively, I think, it was pretty clear if you were watching any of that game. So. You know, you hope that they can clean it up and have confidence in their young goaltender that, you know, they can bounce back. You know, the great news is they're playing at home and it's a place the Revs have lost once this season. So, you know, feeling pretty confident in their ability to to get a win at Gillette. But I think it's, again, game at a time and control what you can control. And I think the Revs, if they, you know, clean it up defensively, have a pretty good chance to win this game, too. So we'll have, I think, more of a preview next week in the two days before the game. Before the game, too. So we'll go quickly to the Red Sox. Craig Breslow, officially the new chief baseball Baseball officer uh, for the Red Sox. We had kind of touched on that last week, but he was officially hired obviously worked in the Cubs organization the last couple of years um so you know we'll see i think that there is some maybe concern that it may be i, I don't know and i don't really know what the thought is is if he's like unqualified or whatever or i think it was unexperienced i think that was the term um that you know being inexperienced i think managing a big baseball club might be a little bit of a concern but You know, I think having someone who is, I think, somewhat familiar with the organization, someone who's pitched in the organization, you know, I think has some idea how things work here and that I think there's a lot of pressure to perform. And I think there's certainly a lot of pressure to get this team to being a, you know, contender. And I think uh, Craig's got a a lot of work to do this winter. And I think... It'll be interesting to see what kinds of moves he, he makes. Um, and I think is someone that's had, that has gotten a lot of credit for turning around the Cubs, you know, homegrown pitching over the last couple of years. And I think that that's something that the Red Sox really want to try to, you know, improve upon. I think that, yes, they've built a pretty good farm system in terms of position players and guys that, you know, are coming up and playing, but I think pitching is leaving a little bit to be desired. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, what kind of changes be made or what, kind of, what kinds of cha- what kinds of changes are made. Uh, but I think it's clear that it's a pretty significant off season for this team that I think is hoping to try to get back into the mix in the American League East after a 78 win season. So here's hoping that Craig can, you know, turn it around after two uh, pretty miserable seasons here um, in Boston. You know, when I say miserable, I just mean, you know, being in last place and winning, you know, 70 games. I mean, I think the expectation here is always to win, you know, 90 games and be in the mix for the playoffs, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's still what the expectation is. I mean, I think that, Yes, you're in Boston, you're always going to have the expectations that you need to compete for a championship. But I think just looking at the team and looking at what happened last year, it's kind of hard to expect that, okay, they're going to be back in the playoffs. You know, you kind of have to see what they do in the offseason. And I think pitching is kind of where they're going to be focused at with the rotation, you know, seeing what they do with some other pieces that they have in terms of position players that could stay or go. So I think I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for talking about the Sox and the local teams. I'm gonna do a quick whip around coverage of the NFL Week 8. So obviously Monday night football tonight in Detroit. The Lions and the Raiders. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is available for the Raiders tonight. Lions at 5-2 hosting. Tonight, Thursday night, the Bills uh, holding off the Buccaneers 24-18 to as the Buccaneers' Hail Mary fell short of uh, receivers in the end zone. So Bucs drop to three and four. Bills get the win. 24-18, to they get back on track after the loss to the Patriots. Um, the Cowboys dominating the Rams. Forty-three to twenty, they improved to five and two. Rams fall to three and five. Dak Prescott with four touchdowns in the win. The Vikings beat the Packers twenty-four to ten. Although there's concern that Kirk Cousins has torn his Achilles, um, and so obviously it's a little bittersweet for the Vikings as they beat the Packers twenty-four to ten. Even their record at four and four, but kind of with some uncertainty with the injury here. Um, as to who takes over from Minnesota. The Titans getting three touchdowns, or four touchdowns, excuse me, from Will Levis in his first career start. Titans beat the Falcons 28-23. Tw- the Saints with an offensive explosion, 38 points against the Colts. In Indianapolis, they win 38-27. Alvin Kamara with two touchdowns. Saints improve to 4-4. Four and four. Colts drop. To three and five. Patriots will be playing the Colts in two weeks in Germany. The Jets get the win over the Giants in a pretty ridiculous uh, comeback fashion as the Giants uh, head, ahead 10-7, to I think with under a minute in the, fir- in the fourth quarter. Go for the field goal. Field goal misses. Jets get the ball, get in the field goal range, tie it, and then win it in overtime 13-10. Jets improve to four and three with the win. The Jags win their fifth straight. 20 to 10 over the Steelers as they improve to six and two. With the win, Steelers drop to four and three. The Eagles outlasting the Commanders. 38 to 31 actually had a comeback in this as the Commanders jumped ahead 14 to three, but the Eagles come back and win. Commanders drop to three and five. Eagles are seven and one. Patriots host the Commanders next week. The Panthers get their first win of the season, 15-13 over the Texans. Bryce Young, 235 yards and a touchdown in this game. Panthers get their first win of the season at home. The Seahawks beating the Browns 24-20. Geno Smith, 250 yards and two touchdowns. Seahawks improve to 5-2. The Broncos, surprising the Chiefs at home, 24-9 the final score. Broncos improved to 3-5. And And the Chiefs fall to 6-2. Ravens beat the Cardinals 31-24 yesterday. Gus Edwards with three touchdown runs. The Ravens win to improve their record to 6-2. The Bengals with another win, their third straight win over the 49ers. Who dropped their third straight, and the Bengals appear to be back on track with a big win on the road, and then the Chargers last night, improving to three and four with two interceptions, where the defense had two interceptions. Justin Herbert had three touchdowns. Chargers beat the Bears thirty to thirteen. So just. Some notes here from around the NFL, obviously the Achilles injury to Kirk Cousins. Be interesting to see what the Vikings do. Possibly they look to make a trade at the deadline. And then obviously Kendrick Bourne, as we heard about tearing his ACL. So he's done for the season, which really stinks. Uh, the Falcons, Grady Jarrett also tore his ACL yesterday. So he is out for the season. Daniel Jones is cleared to return. Um, so I think we'd assume next week as he's cleared to return from injury and then Rashawn Gary getting a new contract with the Packers four years for 107 million. So I think we're going to move on, just get to some notes. We have some, obviously MLB notes, game three of the world series tonight in Arizona Rangers and Diamondbacks even at a game of peace pretty exciting series so far. So be interesting to see How the D-backs and their young stars do at the home, home World series game for the first time in over 20 years And Yeah, I think Just take a look at the starters for tonight Max Scherzer for the Rangers, Brandon Fatt for the Diamondbacks. So game three at Chase Field in Phoenix. Game three tonight, game four uh, tomorrow. So I think quickly move to uh, take a look at some NBA notes. Uh, Chris Paul kind of came off the bench for the first time in his career last night as the Warriors get a win. Uh, Zach Levine with 51 points the other night, but losing to the Pistons. Um, So a couple games in to the NBA season. We'll actually take a look at some games tonight on the schedule. Celtics and Wizards, obviously, at 7.00. Nets and Hornets also at 7. Bulls and Pacers at 7. And then you got a couple games at 7.30. Timberwolves and Hawks. Trailblazers and the Raptors. And then at 8 o'clock, you have the Grizzlies and the Mavs. Grant Williams versus Marcus Smart. Should be an interesting game. Uh, Heat and the Bucks also play at 8 tonight. As well as the Warriors and the Pistons. Warriors and the Pelicans. And the Pistons and the Thunder. And then the Jazz and the Nuggets play at 9. And then the 10.30 start the Magic and the Lakers. So we're going to take a look at some NHL notes. Uh, Connor McDavid did return for the Oilers as they won the Heritage Classic last night outdoors in Edmonton. So good win for them there. Um, Bruins, A former Bruins defenseman Connor Clifton suspended two games by the NHL for an illegal check to the head. I'll take a look at some NHL games tonight. Bruins and Panthers, obviously, at the Garden. A couple of other 7 o'clock starts. Carolina and Philadelphia, Seattle and Tampa Bay, Anaheim and Pittsburgh. And then at 7.30, Detroit and the Islanders, the Rangers and the Jets. And then at 8 o'clock, Columbus and Dallas. And then two 10 o'clock games, Chicago at Arizona and Montreal at Vegas. So I think, think that's going to do it for me this week before we let you guys go. would like to say uh, happy trails to Joe Thornton. He reti- uh, announced his retirement over the weekend from the NHL. 24 seasons in the NHL for uh, Jumbo Joe. Played uh, for played eight years in Boston, um, and then obviously kind of seemed to, or obviously made his, I think made his bones in uh, San Jose after the trade uh, with some big time point seasons. Unfortunately, Joe was never able to lift the Stanley Cup, but I think someone that's always been uh, respected around the NHL is I think a, a, a happy-go-lucky guy and, you know, quite a career of 1,539 points. is 12th all-time in um, NHL points. Also won the Hart Trophy in uh, five o six 6 um, with Bruins and with San Jose. 125 points that season. So, yes, spent the first eight years of his career with the Bruins, um, is a part of the Bruins 100 uh, year Centennial team. I think it is, a, is a member of that list, the 100 players. Um, so he had 454 games, or excuse me, 454 points in 532 games in Boston, 24 year NHL career that he finished with Florida in 2022. So I think that's probably going to do it for me this week. Uh, Great to be back on the program. We'll update you guys on Guest Friday later this week. So be on the lookout for that, everyone. um, Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.